to Ill-Equipped History, where two best friends talk about history. I'm your host for today, Morgan, joined by my lovely co-host, Emily. How are you doing? Hey, hey, I am good. I am so good. How are you? Good. I'm good. Good. Very good. (laughs) How many times are we going to say good? A good amount? man any anything new happening this week nope just you know getting through getting just making it how yeah. how about you well at the time of recording in a couple of days i'll be going to jeep invasion oh fun pigeon forge that's always a lot of fun my kids call it jeep evasion and uh <laughs> i love and- that my husband slash father-in-law's Jeep, the World War II Jeep, is going to be in what they call the winner's circle. So oh, okay. it's going to be in the show. My dad's going to have a booth this year for his, you know, company. He builds Jeeps. One of the Jeeps that he's worked on has gone to SEMA. So that's fun. Is it the he CJ? Does. It was Greg's renegade it's a it's red okay yes okay cool (laughs) red cheap it's like who's greg i don't know (laughs) (laughs) and uh no but he uh i think i think all the jeeps are gonna be in the show mom's mom's jeep is gonna be in it this year nick's is dad's all sorts that he sounds like on, a, so. a right jeep invasion there yeah <laughs> yeah it's there's thousands thousands of people that uh that come and i just want y'all to know that i don't know why it took me so long but i have decided i am going to do an episode on the history of jeep so be ready for that one soon all right i don't know why it took me so long to think of that it's literally been my entire life it's yeah. jeep so <laughs> <laughs> Your life is Jeep. <laughs> My life is Jeep. So anyway. Right. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, we, we've got some special things in the works for you guys. I'm really excited. We're still finalizing some of the minutiae of yeah. it, but we, we've got something really neat planned. Yeah. Or something. If all, if all goes according to plan, we might get some bonus content bonus content yeah i'm i'm doing like a shimmy we're shimmying again shimmying (laughs) we're shimmying shimmying (laughs) all right so my episode today it was actually going to be something different um but i was having a really hard time finding really good sources so i had to wait to buy some sources um or some like a book i had to buy a book and it is going to be here in a couple days but it'd be too late to read this like 400 page book in like a day and all Mm -hmm. that so um i picked something that we had actually mentioned before and i was like you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do it and then kyle was telling me about this documentary on netflix 
that I highly recommend you watch. Yeah. I'll mention it a little bit later. Okay. Uh, I'm sure as you can tell, you know, we're just going to jump right into the, the skit, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you'll you'll, you'll know it. from the title what we're talking about. <laughs> New Bern, North Carolina, 1893. Our scene opens in Bradham's Pharmacy. Customers are raving about the new fountain drink, Coca-Cola. Hey, this stuff is great. I feel alive. I feel like I can accomplish anything. This tastes so good. Wow, I feel like I can run a marathon and climb a mountain and go canoeing and swim across the ocean and solve the world's problems. I don't need to eat or sleep and wow, my headache is gone. And I, I can climb trees and I can build a house and I can go down and walk and on road. All of my customers are going crazy about this new fangled Coca-Cola. They must feel good, but it's not good for them. I bet I could create something that tastes just as good without the negative side effects. Hmm. A little vanilla here, some sugar, can't forget the cola flavor, and done! My new digestive aid. Hey everyone, come have a taste! Wow, this is tasty. My tummy rumbles are gone. And this is so sweet and nice. You're a genius, Bradham. Oh, I'm just glad you like it. You should market this. Call it Brad's Drink. It'll catch on everywhere. I'm not sure that's the best name for it, but it'll do for now. I'm glad everybody likes my all-natural digestion aid. Do you see me doing like little... <laughs> Your little head movements there? <laughs> for emphasis? Yeah. <laughs> I think the spirit of Caleb Bradham inhabited you it's, as you were, as you were going through that skit. He was doing, and he was doing little stirry motions. And <laughs> I mean, he, he was tinkering around with it. He was mixing it up. He was. He was. All right. So, so today we are talking about the history and the hijinks of the Pepsi Corporation. We're going to be talking about the drink and the company itself. So... This is kind of a wild ride. Okay. Yeah. It, just you talking about your topic the other day was like a wild ride. So I am very excited about this. Well, and I think Kyle told me, he was like, you know what? You've done some really like thick episodes. (laughs) Yeah. You need to do something that's a little lighter. And I was like, okay. And then again, like my first topic I wanted to do fell through and it was funny because we would have both been covering ten like famous Tennessee natives. Yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll cover this person in a, in a while, but um, this one I was like, I've already been talking about doing it at some point. I'm just going to do it now. So here I am talking Might about Pepsi. Well. <laughs> so uh, to talk about the origins of Pepsi, I also have to talk about Coca Cola because they really don't exist one without the other. I'm not going to go too deep into detail about Coca-Cola because obviously it deserves its own episode, but they're so intertwined. It's really hard to talk about how Pepsi was invented and how it became a company without also talking about Coca-Cola. Right. At least in the beginning. <clears throat> as as time goes on, they start, you know, having separate identities and all that. But I mean, still, like... And I'll talk about it, but again, like, they both kind of feed off each other. 
So we were going to enter in at the end of the Civil War in the United States. The South has rejoined the Union, but there's a lot of damage in the South. Um, the war was very, very hard down here. And a lot of people were desperate and in pain. Mm-hmm. In 1892, Coca-Cola was invented in Atlanta, Georgia. And people loved the stuff. Mostly because it had caffeine and cocaine in it. So it made people feel real good. I bet it did. (laughs) One of the sources that I was reading, it's actually about um, pharmacies Mm -hmm. uh, in this area or in this era. So a lot of, and I'll go into it in a little bit, but pharmacists would come up with their own concoctions. And that's what Coca-Cola was originally. It was... It was a type of medicine to help headaches. And it did because caffeine and cocaine would make the headaches go away. And then when the headaches came back, they had to go and buy more Coca-Cola. And it was funny because John Pemberton, who invented Coca-Cola, was like, oh, it's not addictive. Lies. It was very addictive. Of course it was very addictive. I remember drinking a Coke every day in high school because about two o'clock I would get a headache. Every day. And that's without the cocaine in it. That's without the Coke. <laughs> I just had regular Coke, no Coke. <laughs> right. Right. No Coke, Coke. <laughs> you know, even though it was super widespread, like, there was some understanding that cocaine was not the best for you. Like, people understood it was addictive. Right. Sometimes measures were taken to not utilize that. So now we're going to jump to talking about a na- man named Caleb Bradham. So Caleb Bradham was born in, I think it's pronounced Bradham. It's spelled Bradham, but I assume it's Bradham. He was born in 1867 in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. I couldn't really find a lot about his childhood. Um, I found there is an exhibit about him at the North Carolina History Museum that Mm -hmm. I found online. It has a little biography of him. He at some point went to the University of Maryland because he wanted to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. But his father ended up declaring bankruptcy, so Caleb had to move back home and be with his family and help out. When he moved back home, he taught at a New Bern Academy, and then eventually he was able to go back to school. So he returned to the University of Maryland, but instead of finishing his medical doctorate degree, he ended up becoming a pharmacist. Okay. Um, and I, th- I wonder, it doesn't really say, but I wonder if it's because like there wasn't so much school, he could get into the field faster, you know, being a doctor takes a lot of school mm-hmm. and being a pharmacist does too, but I don't think it's near as much schooling. As I don't doctor. think it is either. Yeah. So he ended up after he graduated, he opened his own pharmacy in New Bern, North Carolina. So I'm also, I'm going to take another little sidetrack here because mm-hmm. this I found was very interesting. So Around this time, like a little before and after, soda fountains were very popular in pharmacies. Mm-hmm. Um, they were everywhere. So why were, why were soda fountains such a staple in pharmacies at the time? In the, starting in the 1850s, fountain drinks were like a tonic that were formed by pharmacists. So they would create um. like a syrup and then they would mix it with carbonated water, which is also considered to have healing properties. And then they would sell the fountain drinks as, like, a form of medicine. Oh. Yeah. And so pharmacists would make their own little concoctions. 
Sometimes they had caffeine, sometimes they had cocaine, sometimes they had some other ingredients, but they helped, they helped some kind of symptom, right? typically. They weren't just for, hmm, this is tasty. Yeah, I, I'd already said everything Very else good. that I wrote down. Did you know that up until probably 10 years ago, there was a pharmacy downtown Athens that still was like, it had the whole vibe and everything? And had, like, Coke machines and stuff. I remember the pharmacy. Yeah. And I remember the counter. Yeah. That the soda fountain was behind. They uh, they had all that stuff. They sold, like, ice cream and everything. And you could still pick up your prescriptions there. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. That is really cool. And there's actually, there's more information about soda fountains and pharmacies. I didn't want to take too much time away from the Pepsi story. Yeah. But, I, I mean, if you're curious, I'd highly recommend, um, I think there is a website called, like, pharmacyinfo.com or mm-hmm. something that talked about it. It was, it was neat. Um, and also, I found out carbonated water was invented on accident in 1767. So How? it's been around for a long time. I, I saw it, and I was like, that's neat. And I didn't look up into uh, how it was invented, because, again, I was trying to be... That's fair. You, you should look it up, though. I just... But I did see it was invented on accident. <laughs> I love how my favorite things are always invented on accident. Wheat beer. Uh, not wheat beer. Uh, lagers. Yeah. Lagers oh, yeah. I remember that. And carbonated water. <laughs> yeah. Love carbon... I'm drinking a seltzer right now. So, yay, carbonated water. <laughs> yay! We're going to go back on track here. So, right. now we'll talk about Bradham's invention. Mm-hmm. So... Like we mentioned, in the 1890s, Coca-Cola was very popular because... Cocaine. Yeah. The cocaine and the caffeine. Uh, And Bradham, or Caleb, wanted to create a drink that people still enjoyed, that had health benefits, that didn't have the addictive properties of Mm -hmm. Coca-Cola. So... 1893, which is eight years after the invention of Coca-Cola, Caleb invented what was initially known as Brad's Drink. Um, And he didn't name it that. uh, Locals that enjoyed it named it that. Um, It included caramel, sugar, vanilla, fruit juice, natural oils. Um, And also I found out, so there is something called a cola nut. And that is what the cola flavor is. It comes from this little nut. So, and actually the cola nut contains caffeine. So I'm not entirely sure if his original recipe had the cola nut in it or not, because sources I saw said that his drink was caffeine free. So I don't know if he was able to imitate the cola flavors through some other methods without the caffeine. Maybe. But people loved it. People thought it was tasty. Apparently did help relieve some digestion issues. And eventually, in 1898, so five years after he invented it, he named, he renamed it to Pepsi-Cola. And that's most likely related to the Greek word pepsis, which means digestion. Oh. Yeah. So now we have Pepsi-Cola. In 1903, Pepsi-Cola took off. In its first year, it sold 8,000 gallons of syrup. The next year, it sold 20,000 gallons of syrup. Wait, we went from 8 to 20,000? In one year. Holy yes. shit. And it's, it, this isn't, it's just the syrup. 
It's not even the entire beverage. It's just the syrup. Oh, my God. So it got very popular. It actually, it got so popular that the people of New Bern wanted him to run for mayor. <laughs> so very soon after he started selling the syrup, he um, they started bottling. Yeah. So instead of having to go to a pharmacy to get the syrup and the carbonated water added, you could buy the entire drink through, in a bottle. Pepsi Cola, the Pepsi Cola company had one of the first trademarks with the U.S. Patent Office, and it was... They were able to sell it as a pure food drink after the Food and Drug Act passed in 1906, um, which meant that you couldn't have any harmful chemicals in your food, um, and they didn't have any, so they didn't have to change their recipe. Ah. So that was, yeah. That was nice. By 1910, there were over 300 bottlers selling Pepsi-Cola, and it was one of the first companies to ship products using automobiles. And also celebrities were endorsing Pepsi-Cola. They had some racers, some actors and actresses um, endorsing it on, like, the radios and with print ads. Now, was Coca-Cola doing that at the same time as well? Yes. Okay. So Coca-Cola, and that's actually my next line. So despite their success, they were not near as big as Coca-Cola was. Coca-Cola was an advertising juggernaut. Right. Um, they, like, from the beginning, they were using, like, wholesomeness and tradition and nostalgia to sell their product. Mm. And even today, it's one of the f- most famous and well-known brands in the world. Yeah. I feel like so, a lot of times when you get there first, you end up being the brand that people stick with. It's like Yeti, they... Yeah got really big and then all these other brands started doing something pretty similar but i still see Mm -hmm. yeti as being one of the leaders because i feel like they got there first kind of a thing and it actually it it does come up later but people will really stick to products that they know yeah because they're used to them and I, i will talk about it it's much much later it happens in like the 80s but it's a very controversial thing that happened <laughs> um, in Pepsi's favor, not for Coke's favor. Now we're going to go, we're heading into World War One. Mm-hmm. So Caleb is enjoying a lot of success with the Pepsi-Cola company. He, they reached a height of pros- prosperity in 1915. In 1917, the U.S. joined World War One, and mm-hmm. sugar was rationed. So the price of sugar increased to the point where Pepsi can't afford to make the syrup anymore. It went from like five cents a pound to almost 30 cents a pound. Good Lord. And so Caleb was like trying to like hoard sugar, but then the sugar market crashed. So Caleb and the Pepsi Cola company declared bankruptcy in 1920. Then the sugar market crashed and actually the price of sugar went down to three cents a pound. So it was cheaper now than it was before they entered the war. Oh, like, no. So now he had all the sugar and he couldn't sell it because he couldn't use all the sugar. So he declared bankruptcy. Um, and so I think he sold he sold the company. So he was no longer in charge of Pepsi-Cola. So Caleb returned to his pharmacy. And he, I mean, he had a good life after this. He ran a successful pharmacy. He... Uh, he actually developed and maintained a scholarship to the University of North Carolina School of Pharmacy wow. up until 1930. 
Uh, he was active in his community with the local government. He was a county commissioner at one point. He was involved with a lot of charity events. He was high-ranking in the Shriner Guild. I don't know if that's how you say it, but with the Shriners. He co-founded the North Carolina Naval Militia, and he had the rank of captain. Wow. Um, and then he eventually passed away in 1934 after an illness, and he was 66 or 67 when he passed away. So yeah, he had a, he had a nice, good life. He had a wife. He had some kids. You know, he lived his life. Yeah. All right. So now we're moving onward. After Pepsi-Cola first declared bankruptcy, the trademark was bought by Roy C. McGargle. McGargle. I think that's how you say it. Okay. McGargle. He wasn't really able to do anything with the Pepsi trademark either. And Pepsi-Cola declared bankruptcy again. Oh, God. Uh, in like 10 years. So in 1931, the trademark was bought by Loft Candy Company. And they also really struggled. Um, and it's during this time that the recipe was changed from the original concoction developed by Caleb Bradham. So they also couldn't compete with Coca-Cola's advertising at the time... It started becoming like what we kind of know it as today. It was just very, very effective. So between 1922 and 1933, Pepsi-Cola tried to sell to Coca-Cola three times. And each time Coke refused, which is really ironic because now Pepsi and Coca-Cola are the two biggest soda giants. Yeah, They're the really only big names in soda. That is, and Pepsi tried so, to sell to them three times. Coke could own them, but they were like, "No, we don't want it," because it wasn't worth anything. Yeah, there was no point in it at the time, so it's just kind of ironic. That's crazy. That's ironic. <laughs> anyway, so now the Great Depression hits in 1929, so everyone is having a bad time. Yeah. Pepsi-Cola is trying to find ways to save some costs. So what they start doing is they start using recycled beer bottles. They were, they were sterilized. This actually worked in Pepsi's favor. So at the time, soft drinks were traditionally served in six-ounce bottles for a nickel. Mm-hmm. But because Pepsi-Cola was using recycled beer bottles, they were able to sell Pepsi in 12-ounce bottles for a nickel. Oh. So you're getting double for the same price. And this really worked for them. But at the same time, they kind of got this reputation for, and I apologize, this is how, this is the attitude that was had about Pepsi at the time. Uh, It was a drink of pores and blacks because it was so affordable, which actually Pepsi later embraces. But that was kind of the reputation it had is, oh, only poor people drink Pepsi. And actually, one of the documentaries I watched said that women would pour Pepsi into Coke bottles and then serve the Coke, the Pepsi into Coke bottles to guests and hope that they couldn't taste the difference because they didn't want them to know that it was Pepsi. You know, so that actually I had when I was in culinary school, I had a, a pro- professor, a chef who said that at dinner parties, she goes like to her basement where she like keeps all of her wine and she pours box mm-hmm. wine into decanters and serves the <laughs> box wine. And then she watches all of the wine snobs like twirling it around. And they're like, oh, what a beautiful vintage. <laughs> yeah. 
And she's like, it's Franzia. <laughs> Listen, I love Franzia. You I know do what? too. I go to Aldi and I get the $11 box of boxed wine. Hey, that winking owl is Because it's $11. Some... Yeah. Yep. Or I get the $3 bottles. I, I, yeah. I am the cheap date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now that I've had two kids, I'm a cheap drunk now. It doesn't take me a while. <laughs> Okay, anyway, I'll quit derailing you, I promise. All right, so, no, it's okay. So even though Pepsi, they were starting to find success, uh-huh. they were still less than 10% of the total market share. Like Coca-Cola was dominating 90% of the soft Damn. drink market. Yeah. Uh, and this is when Coca-Cola really started integrating itself into Americana. Yeah. Uh, it was like... Norman Rockwell was creating ads for Coca-Cola. And this is when they came up with the the Santa that we all know of, yeah. like an idealized now. The the fat Santa with the red and white suit. That's a Coca-Cola advertisement. Yeah. Yeah. That has now integrated itself into the American co- collective consciousness of Santa. Like, it's just, it's crazy. So Pepsi-Cola was really trying to start ramping up their own advertising, but Mm -hmm. they didn't have the cash that Coca-Cola did, so they had to be very creative. So one thing that they did was they really utilized jingles. So what they would do is that they would have a five-second jingle uh, instead of the traditional Mm 60-second commercial, and they would get the radio stations to play them more often. And it was a lot less expensive because you're only paying for a five cent jing- or a five second jingle versus a minute long j- commercial, yeah. and they would play more often. Um, and like people to this day, like that were around that time, would can still sing the, it's like nickel 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 for Pepsi or something like that. Yeah. And then I thought this just was kind of funny. So in 1938, Coca Cola sued Pepsi Cola over the use of cola, citing copyright infringement. But what? <laughs> so Pepsi-Cola said that Coca-Cola was trying to form a monopoly and all that, but they did eventually drop the cola from their name. So now they're just Pepsi. Okay. Now we're getting into World War II. And I'm not going to, this is just going to be very brief. Coca-Cola did a bunch during World War II I'm not going to get into. But during World War II, Pepsi changed their colors to red, white, and blue because patriotism. Okay. I think it was just like red and white before. Uh, they also set up free recording booths for soldiers to send messages home to their oh. families. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. They're like, we're advertising. I know. Um, and then in the 1940s, Pepsi began heavily advertising to the African-American community. They okay. realized they had an untapped market. And they actually hired, and this market was untapped by other companies. So they actually hired an all-black advertising team to advertise to this community. And I, I included a picture of an ad from this time um, that That's amazing. was targeted towards African-American community. So they're like, I mean, this is more money for us, right? Yeah. And we want, we want them to buy our drinks. So we're going to directly target this community. Yeah. Now we're going to get into the beginning of the, the cola wars, mm-hmm. which are still going on to this day. So in 1950, a man named Alfred Steele became president and CEO of Pepsi. He was previously the president of Coca-Cola, which is kind of funny. So huh. he married, I don't know if you've ever heard of her, Joan Crawford. Uh, never in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, he married her 
And so okay. Joan Crawford began endorsing Pepsi. And this is a very good did. move because the Pepsi sales increased by $10 million in 10 years. Because of Joan Crawford? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And probably, I mean, they were still trying to use whatever celebrity endorsements, too. But I think Joan right. Crawford had a really big piece of it. And actually, well, of course uh, when, Alfred, when Alfred Steele died, Joan took his position on the board of directors for Pepsi. Wow. Until 1973. Uh, so I just thought that was neat. That is incredible. A man named Don Kendall then became the new leadership at Pepsi. And he mm-hmm. actually worked his way up from being a syrup salesman. That's a lot of working up. Yeah. So he was at like the bottom of the barrel to president of the company. That's that's pretty impressive. Wow. That is super impressive. And it's around this time that... Pepsi realized that their more traditional advertising was not super effective. So Mm -hmm. they, besides like their niche advertising to the black community, they, most of their ads were conveying like old rich white people. Mm. And it just was not connecting to who they wanted for their consumer base. So now we're going to get into the, I titled it the cold cola war. So this is during the Cold War. <laughs> um, it's also a Cola War. So in the 1950s, the world was in the throes of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. The USSR declared Coca-Cola was not allowed as it was an evil machination of capitalism. So the USSR did not allow Coca-Cola. And Pepsi was like, we're not Coca-Cola. <laughs> we could come in. We're Pepsi. Or Pepsi. So in 1959, the American National Exhibition in Moscow was held, and Pepsi was the very first American product sold in the USSR. Uh, And in my list of pictures, there's actually a picture of Nikita Khrushchev drinking some Pepsi. Uh, He was a leader of the USSR during this time. Wait, let me see where. Uh, It's a black and white image. Yeah. Joan Crawford and Nikita Khrushchev. Look at them. It was, at this time, it was illegal to trade the Russian ruble outside of the USSR. Right. But they had to have some kind of agreement. So what they did instead is that the the Soviet Union traded Stoli vodka for Pepsi. And then Pepsi turned around and sold the vodka in the United States. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that's really funny. They're like, here's some vodka. And they're like, okay. But by 1979, this was no longer profitable. And so they were trying to figure out what they could do instead. So right. there, and you told me about this, actually. There is a very common misperception that okay. Pepsi had the sixth largest military in the world. It's not true, unfortunately. So they were Dang. actually talking about potentially trading decommissioned like warships and tanks yeah. and stuff like that for Pepsi. But Pepsi was like, what are we going to do with decommissioned weapons? Like, yeah, what are we going to do with them? And so they actually were, um, they came up with a deal where the, the Soviet Union would build freight ships for Pepsi oh, and that would okay. be their trade. But that actually never went through because the Soviet Union dissolved in 1991 before they could, go through with this agreement that makes sense well i'm very disappointed that that's not actually true i know 
I mean, a lot of people did. The New York Times reported on it at the time. Oh. So I think that's kind of where it caused the, the misconception came from. Yeah. Because yeah. I saw a lot in my research, but when I like dug deeper, it was like it, it wasn't really true. Um, yeah. They were talking about it, but it never actually happened, unfortunately. Okay. All right. So now we're going into the proper cola wars. So in the 1960s, Pepsi rebranded again, and they wanted to appeal to the baby boomer generation. Talk, they were emulating peace and love and hippies, and they coined the term the Pepsi generation. They're like, you're a part of the Pepsi generation. We're so cool and free, and we drink Pepsi. Oh While... Like, the opposite part of that was Coca-Cola was still using, like, nostalgia and family and yeah more, like, traditional values where Pepsi was like, no, we're cool and free. So, and that actually kind of would, that's kind of how the two brands continue to identify. Yeah. Um, in 1964, Pepsi released Diet Pepsi, which was the first successful diet drink. Coke ah. actually wouldn't even have a diet drink for almost a decade. Oh, my God. I know. It's so weird to think that Diet Pepsi came before Diet Coke. Yeah. In 1965, Pepsi merged with Frito-Lay, the snack company, and they became a conglomerate called PepsiCo. In five years, they went from $500 million in profits to over a billion dollars in profits. Holy crap. Yeah, in which I mean, years? it could be because it went from one company to two, but yeah, but um, still, yeah, and I mean, it makes sense. Like you get a sweet drink with salty chips and yeah, gosh, made in heaven. So Pepsi and Coke were trying to battle out. They they wanted to take over like all the stuff of the Soviet Union was going on. The Chinese market opened. And Pepsi and Coca-Cola okay. were like, we want the Chinese market. And Coke eventually won that. But it's mm-hmm. so funny because during the Cold War, Pepsi and Coca-Cola had spies and they were spying on each other. <laughs> during the it's Cold so War? It's so crazy. Like during they didn't the have War. anything else to worry about? It's not going to matter if everyone's blown up. Oh, oh my God. So in the 80s, Pepsi began using, like, really hitting hard on using celebrities to endorse their product. Yeah. Um, And again, like, Coke was traditional, wholesome Americana, and Pepsi was young and fresh and cool. So, like, Michael Jackson, Madonna, Gwen Stefani, the Spice Girl, Cindy Crawford became big names and endorsers for Pepsi. Um, And actually, well... I was about to say, I do remember seeing, my mom showed me the commercial f- with Michael Jackson in it. And it's like mm-hmm. a big production. It is like a oh, whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, in one of the documentaries I watched, it had Cindy Crawford in it. And she said people still dress up as her from her Pepsi ad to this oh day. My God. And will like send her pictures of them dressed up as her. And That's it's amazing. very like, I mean, it is very iconic, but I mean, it's Cindy Crawford. She's in, like, a white tank top tucked into blue jeans, and she's just getting a Pepsi out of a vending machine. But she was, like, one of the first supermodels, so she's, like, I'm literally Googling gorgeous. it right now. Oh, my it's, God. It's very oh, iconic. Yeah. 
And actually, I have a kind of a picture of oh, uh, Michael Jackson and Cindy Crawford. But yeah, so that that was really big. And actually, I rewatched the the ad with Beyonce, Britney Spears, and Pink. Uh, yeah. They are dressed up as gladiators and are singing "We Will Rock You" oh, yeah. in the, the Gladiator Stadium. That was a really big Pepsi ad too. That ingrained yeah. itself into my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> and this is kind of bringing it back to what we were talking about earlier, where people like what they like, they like what yeah. they're used to. So Pepsi kept falling behind in sales and Coke, and they're like, "Okay, what do we do?" So they created the Pepsi in 1985 they created the Pepsi challenge and this is a blind taste test between Pepsi and Coca-Cola okay Pepsi slightly won not by a whole lot but a little over 50 percent people preferred Pepsi to Coca-Cola and Coca-Cola was pissed and they're like well damn it they did it in their own headquarters and the same results (gasps) Pepsi out beat Coke in their own headquarters so Coke is freaking out. They're like, well, we got to fix this. So then they came out with new Coke as a new and improved recipe. This was a disaster. Yeah. People hate it. They're like, how dare you change Coca-Cola? I remember my mom talking about new Coke once and she was like, it was so bad. Like, it was just and it's, bad. It's really funny because... New Coke performed better in blind taste tests than the original Coke recipe, but people were so pissed off about the new, like, oh, new Coke, God. they stopped buying it. And actually, in one of the documentaries I watched, there's, like, a Pepsi, like, ad or something, and they have a banner that says, Pepsi welcomes new Coke. Because <laughs> people stopped buying Coke. It started buying Pepsi Cola. Pepsi. <laughs> so I, they're like, this is great for us. I love but how then petty Pepsi that is. Oh, I know. I know. It's I so that. petty. It's so funny. So um, it ended up biting Pepsi in the ass, though, because like Coke was like, okay, we'll go back to our original recipe. So they released Coca-Cola Classic. Yeah. And their sales, their sales skyrocketed. They've never done better. <laughs> oh, man. So Coke went right back to being on top. And a lot of people actually think this was su- this was done on purpose to increase sales. Yeah. The doc all the documentaries I watched really didn't seem to think so. It was a blunder done by Coke because they were panicking about the Pepsi yeah. challenge. And then they're like, well, we messed up, so we gotta go back to our original right. recipe. Um and actually in one of the documentaries I watched, I'll talk about in a second, the they had the people in the documentary do the Pepsi challenge. Like they had a they had enough cups yeah. and they're like, which one do you pick? And uh Coke won six to five. <laughs> which oh is funny. God. So Yeah. I mean, like th- they don't taste the same, but there's they are so similar. You know. Yeah. Okay. And as Billy Joel stated, rock and roller cola wars, I can't take it anymore. Like and the cola wars are still going on. They have not gone away. You know, Pepsi Mm -mm. and Cola or Coke are still duking it out. Okay. So now we're going to get into some real shenanigans. This, this does turn into a sad story. This one part. Uh, People end up dying in this situation. So in 1992, um, Pepsi was trying to increase her sales. So they had 
like a lottery game. It had gone in other places in the world, but they brought it to the Philippines. And it's called Number Fever was the name of this game. And it was, there were codes printed on the inside of bottle caps. If a number was drawn, you could turn it in for a cash prize. The grand prize was 1 million pesos, which was worth about 40 to 50,000 US dollars. And this was 10 times the annual salary of the average Filipino at the time. So this was a life-changing amount of money. And it, I mean, the campaign worked. Wait, I wrote over 600 times the annual salary. Damn. Okay. So over half of the population of the Philippines were participating in this contest. Right. I mean, people were buying Pepsi over bread, over food. They were digging through the trash to find discarded Pepsi caps. I mean, oh, pe- I mean, people were desperate. Um, and actually, one of the interview or one of the documentaries, there were people that were that participated in this game that were still mm-hmm. around and they provided some interviews. And some people were saying I was drinking Pepsi three times a day, five times a day just to try to get some cash. And so there were a lot of like the small cash prizes. But again, there was the grand prize. So the the campaign was so successful. Pepsi increased their profits by so much in the Philippines. They extended the contest by five more weeks. Mm -hmm. And this is where the disaster happens. So the initial plan was that there would be two bottle caps printed with the grand prize code 349. But the computer system in charge of randomizing the numbers was not built to handle this five-week extension. So one evening, the grand prize code was announced, announced 349. But there were not two. There were over 600,000 bottle caps printed with this grand prize winning code. Oh, God. All the winners, thousands, thousands of people showed up at the, like, the site where you go and redeem Mm -hmm. your bottle cap, demanding the grand prize. Like, thousands of people wanted the one million pesos. And Pepsi was like, we can't do this. If they did, it would cost over 30 billion U.S. dollars. Oh, my. And that would have bankrupted the company. So they're yeah. like, no. So instead, Pepsi offered winners, all the winners, they're like, you can have 500 pesos, which was worth about 20 US dollars. A lot of people took the deal because they're like, hey, it's better than nothing. Yeah. But a lot of people were very, very angry and riots happened. Full on riots. People were attacking trucks. People were attacking um, the manufacturing, like the bottling plants, people were throwing Molotov cocktails and grenades. And actually, um, five people were killed. Uh, three Pepsi employees were killed. And then um, a teacher and a child were killed from a grenade blast. Like it was oh. just, it ended absolutely horribly. And so a group called the 349 Coalition in the Philippines eventually sued Pepsi in New York. Mm-hmm. And there was a years-long legal battle. And in the end, Pepsi only ended up paying about 150,000 pesos, um, which is less than 3,000 U.S. dollars today. And also so not worth even less. worth one of those winning right. bottle caps. 
That's ridiculous. Right. Yeah, it just, it did not, did not go well. So now this one is not as sad, <laughs> but it's a, also a very big controversy. So there's this documentary on Netflix called mm-hmm. Pepsi Where's My Jet? And it's about this event. So not long, only like two, a few years after the number fever debacle. Yeah. Um, in the United States and I think also in Canada, Pepsi released a promotion called Pepsi Stuff by Pepsi get stuff so you could buy pepsi products you'd get points Mm -hmm. and then you could redeem those points to get gear like t-shirts and soccer balls and bags and you know just neat pepsi merchandise um so their initial commercial aired in 1996 and in this commercial and i have a screen grab from this commercial they said that you could win a Harrier jet for 7 million Pepsi points. And this is a military jet. A college student named John Leonard was like, cool, I want a jet. So he, you know, was trying to figure out how much it'd be worth. So he found that a Harrier jet was worth about 30 to $32 million. Yeah. He had this big scheme where he would, he had a, a wealthy friend that he relied on. And he was like, hey, like... If we could buy enough Pepsi, we could store it in warehouses, we could hire people to buy the Pepsi and take the points off, this whole thing will cost like $4.3 million. And his friend was like, nah, that's a lot of money. But then later he found out that you could outright buy the points. It was like 10 cents a point. So you could buy 7 million points for $700,000. So he got the money, he mailed the check to Pepsi, and they're like, LOL, no, here's two free coupons for six packs of Pepsi. <laughs> and he was like, no. Where's my jet? I want, where's my jet? Pepsi, where's my jet? So there was a lot of shenanigans that happened. Um, so Pepsi ended up suing John Leonard, who's the, the kid who started all this. Um, for something and he, they promised? That's ridiculous. Right. There's no, there was no disclaimer on this ad. Um, and the reason why, like, I'll get to in a second. It's it's so ridiculous. Um, so Pepsi originally sued John Leonard. And then they were like, okay, we'll settle with you. We'll give you a million dollars if you forget this whole thing. And he was like, no, I want the jet. Yeah. And they're like, you stupid kid. And it, again, like, legal battles for years at this point was going on. And eventually it went before a federal judge. And she was like, no reasonable person would think that this was an actual offer. And so the case is dismissed and John Leonard didn't get anything. Damn. So one of the people, he's a creative director for like Pepsi ads. Yeah. He was like a contractor or something. He wrote the ad and he originally had it listed for 700 million points. Not just 7 million, 700 million. Because he was like, no one, everyone will know it's a joke. It's unrealistic. So he was showing the ad to like the the first draft of the ad to some Pepsi executives. And one of the higher ups was like, that's hard to read. Can we like shorten it? Because I can't read it. It's too many numbers. So then they shortened it to 7 million. He was like, oh, that's better. I can read it. (laughs) And again, they didn't have a disclaimer. And it wasn't until John Leonard like went to redeem the points that they first they changed it back to 700 million 
a few months after the original ad aired. And then after that, they added a just kidding disclaimer at the bottom. But that was all after he tried to redeem all the points. Y'all, so. I wish you could see my face right now. This is so... <laughs> she's she's flabbergasted. <laughs> so. How can a company be so historically mismanaged on so many occasions <laughs> and still be this big? What is happening? It is actually the biggest worldwide company no shit today yeah it's bigger than because it owns so many other brands so coca-cola sells more soft drinks it is more successful in the soft drinks pepsico owns so many different brands it's such a huge conglomerate that that it earns more money a year but it's also like it's operating under different labels and stuff right but yeah, so I wrote here, I, I highly recommend watching the documentary. It's like four episodes on Netflix. It's really funny. Um, they, it's very lighthearted. A lot of the people are very funny. It goes into all the different characters involved. But I wrote here, John didn't get anything except for the friends he made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he seems in pretty good spirits about it. Like he's like, eh, you know, I didn't lose anything. I just right. didn't get my jet and I didn't get any money, but... I mean, he wasn't hurt. He wasn't. He wasn't destitute, you know. So yeah. So, so now I'm just going to talk about the conglomerate of PepsiCo, which I just kind of mentioned already. Um, and I wrote here, it's it actually outperforms Coca-Cola in total sales. Though Coca-Cola sells more drinks Got it. than Pepsi. It's made up of more than 23 different brands. There's this video I watch, and it just goes over some of the different brands mm-hmm. under the PepsiCo label. So they have Mug Root Beer, Aquafina, Tropicana, which is the biggest juice company. Yeah. It outperforms Minute Maid and some other ones. Uh, they own Naked Juice and Rockstar Energy Drinks. Oh. They own Frito-Lay, Cheetos and Doritos. Quaker Oats, which is the biggest breakfast brand. Wow. Uh, Captain Crunch. Gatorade. Oh they own God. Gatorade, which is the biggest sports drink brand in the 70s and 80s they bought pizza hut taco bell and kfc so that's why you see all those those three restaurants are almost always like paired together if it's two in one restaurant and they always have pepsi i always wondered why they had pepsi because pepsi owns them and actually it kind of backfired because pepsi owned these restaurants their competitors did not want to sell pepsi products because they wanted to differentiate themselves. Right. So. Um, so eventually Pepsi created like their own like. I think they're still owned by Pepsi. Or they were up until like two years ago. But they're under like a different name. Right. It wasn't outright PepsiCo. It wasn't under a different name. They also at one point owned North American Moving Services. And Wilson Sporting Goods. Why? I don't think either of those lasted very long, but they PepsiCo owned them at one point. But why? Because I, I think Wilson was maybe like, oh, we want to have like sport partnerships, but then they're like, oh, no. So <laughs> anyway, so now in today's time, in 2008, PepsiCo is the largest food and drink manufacturer in Russia, which is probably carry over from right. them being almost exclusive in the Cold War. In 2022, they did stop manufacturing there because of the war with, with Ukraine. Yeah, Pepsi 
it's not all bad. You know, they've been trying to get more into the health food market, mm-hmm. especially as people become more health conscious. They're trying to reduce their environmental impact. They're reducing the amount of plastic in their bottles. Um, they actually made a completely plant-based PET bottle. Okay. Which was really neat. They're working on, like, if they're using a water source and they use more of it than they should, they'll replenish the water source. Oh, good. Um, that was a really big thing in India. They use, like, during a drought, they use a ton of water. So they actually exceeded the amount of water that, like, they replenished more than they had used, which is really good. Good. It's not the end of their flack, though. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I didn't want it to be all bad, but I think this was in 2013. Um, they also in Mountain Dew. There was a very racist Mountain Dew commercial that was aired. Oh, no. It's it's funny because Tyler, the creator, directed it. But it's considered one of the most racist commercials ever made. It's so it's a, actually a follow up to a previous ad where there is this goat that really wanted Mountain Dew and it beat up a waitress at a restaurant because it wanted Mountain Dew. Yeah. And in the follow-up ad, which is the racist ad, it has a waitress, and she's, like, she's got a neck brace and crutches, and her face is all beat up and bloody, and she has to pick the goat out of a lineup, and the rest of the lineup is filled with black men. So, yeah. It's not, like, it's not, yeah. Ah! Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they pulled that ad pretty quick. Good! Uh, actually, I couldn't even find... The ad, yeah, for real. I couldn't find the ad itself. I just found, like, news outlets talking about the ad, which was a good thing. Who let that um, by? Who looked at that I and was like, this is fine. This is fine. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. And then they caught flack again a few years ago. I don't know if you remember this ad, but um, it's this Kendall Jenner ad. Yeah. Where there's this, like protests going on and everyone's like love each other and peace yeah and she leaves like a modeling gig and then she hands up pepsi to a police officer and everything is fine um but she this and this is not against kendall jenner she's just an actress in this commercial it's not against her at all but this was done during a height of black lives matter protests and it was considered very insensitive and tone deaf Even Martin Luther King Jr.'s daughter tweeted about it and was like, this is not good. It was seen as exploiting the Black Lives Matter movement. And one thing that I saw, I watched a couple like news videos about it. And one thing that kept getting brought up was that it looked like it was directly referencing this moment where, and I included this picture in um, the notes uh, there's a, a woman named Aisha Evans, and she's being detained by riot police. And I think this was in Baton Rouge during some Black Lives Matter protests. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very, very powerful image. Um, but that one image is very often directly compared to the Kendall Jenner ad. So. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. Also, this. This is just very interesting to me. I saw one thing that said that Kendall Jenner was the first supermodel to star in a Pepsi ad since Cindy Crawford in 1992. Wonder why? I don't know. Because I thought I saw some with like Tyra Banks and stuff, but 
I don't know. It was just one source I saw. It may not be correct. Or if it was like a solo ad. But anyway, so the end. I mean, Pepsi Cola or Pepsi, PepsiCo is still around today, still making soft drinks. They, you know, are still doing their thing with Mountain Dew and energy drinks. <laughs> Maybe they should get a third party to organize their... Uh, not advertisement, but the the contest they have, maybe they should. Yeah. Well, I think they definitely know now to have disclaimers on things that are meant to be jokes. Yeah. Um, if it's not a serious offer, either don't include it or say it's a joke. Again, watch that documentary. It's very yeah. interesting. Again, it's, it's Pepsi Where's My Jet. It's on Netflix. I also watched this one documentary called pepsi versus cola the marketing battle of the century that goes more into the actual cola wars themselves why pepsi went bankrupt was a video i watched on youtube also pepsi bigger than you know that goes into the different brands under pepsi and in some news articles can i tell you something that makes me sound super dumb earlier when you said the billy joel quote yeah and it's rock and roll and cola wars. Yeah. I've been singing my entire fucking life. Rock and roller cola wars. <laughs> and I had no idea what the roller cola wars were. <laughs> What's a roller cola? What's a rock and roller cola? That's so funny. You know, I can't say anything, though, because I I was singing Haven back up until, like, two years ago. Oh, on the fancy? Yeah. <laughs> Mama died in a Haven back. <laughs> What's a Haven back? <laughs> it's I Ain't Been Back, for those who haven't heard the song. <laughs> for years, like two decades, I've been singing it that way. So I can't say anything. I can't make no, fun of you for that. I just needed to tell you that. Also, um, I didn't realize that in um, the Hootie and the Blowfish song where he goes, and the dolphins made me cry. I didn't know he was talking about a football team. I thought he was talking about like a actual dolphin. dolphins. Why did a dolphin make you cry? What did it do to you? <laughs> and I didn't realize it until a couple of years ago when Post Malone covered it, but he said the cowboys instead. And I was like, I had like a mini out of body oh. experience. And I was like, oh no, it's a football team. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, yeah. Sorry, um, I'm dumb so- sometimes, y'all. I am too. It's all right. We we all have our dumb moments. Um, but yeah. Well, this was a really good one. It is a lot more wild than I thought it was going to be. I know. Even if I, I am disappointed that they didn't have a military. I know. I was very sad to learn that. I was actually that was what I was most looking forward to researching. Um, yeah. And it was like it didn't actually happen. But I actually like. I remember you telling me about the army thing. Yeah. And then a couple weeks after that, I came across an, like a post about the, the number fever incident in the Philippines. And I was like, holy yeah. shit. 
we should cover Pepsi at some point. And then I found out about the jet thing from Kyle like last week. And he was like, there's this documentary you got to watch. It's about this guy who wanted to win a jet and Pepsi wouldn't let him. And I was like, okay, all right. Well, all these things are falling into place. So yeah, I, I know more about Pepsi and Coke than probably a lot of people. (laughs) Well, I'll know what Coke deserves its own episode. You know, what's really always been funny to me is my mom, for y'all that don't know, is from um, Kentucky. And Mm -hmm. I promise you that it is so weird that I grew up here saying Coke and we drink Coke products. Like Mm -hmm. Pepsi is not more. Coke is more popular here where we live. Right. The, The moment we cross over into Kentucky. My mom is calling it pop when home mm-hmm. she calls it Coke and we're drinking Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Like my Kentucky family really does not funny. buy Coke. They buy Pepsi and they call it pop. But then we mm. drink Coke and we call it Coke. Everything's a Coke. Pepsi's a Coke. Sprite's well, it's, a Coke. Yeah. It's <laughs> what kind of Coke you want? What kind of Coke do you want? Not, I want a Coke. It's like, Oh, yeah, I'll take a Coke. Yeah, but a Dr. Pepper. Like, yeah. And it's, it's so weird. funny because, like, Dr. Pepper, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, Mountain Dew, probably some other ones were all invented in the South. Dr. Pepper was invented in Texas. Coca-Cola uh-huh. was in Atlanta. Yeah. Pepsi was in North Carolina. Um, Mountain Dew is in Tennessee. We like our Cokes. We do. We Sorry. like our sugar, fizzy Cola sugar products. <laughs> Our cola products. Cola products. Soft that hurts drinks. to say. Oh, it's a cola. <laughs> I always say it weird. Like even when I say Coca Cola, I feel like I say it weird. Coke. Coca Cola. <laughs> Coca Cola. Pepsi Cola. Pepsi Cola. <laughs> also, I could only think of this because um, the. When I was talking about the cola wars and I was researching yeah. it, that line from the Billy Joel song kept going yeah. in my head. Um, and it made me think there's a new, sorry, super tangent. There's yeah. a new Fall Out Boy song. Um, <gasps> it's so good. It's like updated. I have listened to it probably like, fifth, like oh, 500 times. Oh, it's so good. Listeners, there's a new, there's an updated version of We Didn't Start the Fire by Fall Out Boy. And it's so good. Um, yeah. And it's for the millennial generation. Um, they should do that every and, couple decades. Just a new one. Yeah. Like every 30 years, a new, a new We Didn't Start the Fire. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's because I love the Billy Joel one, but I don't know what most of the events are talking about. Yeah. Um, and then I heard this one. I was like, oh, crap. I know almost every single event that happened in yeah. the oh song. And it shook me. This is our life. <laughs> like, And it's so funny. I was on my way I guess it'd be months ago for our listeners when I went camping, we Mm -hmm. stopped in Kentucky and I was in the car listening to the radio while Kyle went inside in the store and that song came on and I was just in the car by myself, just like like (laughs) wide eyed staring out the windshield, like, and like singing along to it, but like hearing like the new lyrics. I was like, Oh my God, this is my life. (laughs) God. Give it a listen. It's really good. I, I don't feel like 
this is another just little tangent that people truly understand what our like the millennial generation went through every generation i know has issues but my god we started out with like 9-11 as children and it's just been downhill since yeah it's not improved there, there was a little high point with Pokemon Go in 2016, and Truly. then it really went from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had a little bump back up, but uh, that was about it. I mean, yeah, we watched. Not... We went from 9/11 to watching our parents lose their jobs and lose their houses in 2008, and then, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's has not improved. No. And now we're adults and we're like, what do we do? I guess what's happening? Just what, what's going drink on? overpriced coffee and eat <laughs> avocado toast. It's apparently what everyone else thinks we do. <laughs> Listen, don't knock avocado toast. I love me. I would never. <laughs> I love me some avocado toast. With a fried I, egg on top and some and, pepper. Uh, and I love. A little hot sauce. Some uh, overpriced coffee. Yes. I'm a bougie coffee bitch. I love. Listen, this woman has her own, was it like a foamer, a coffee foamer? It's, it's, a, it's a milk frother, and, but it also heats up the foam while it's doing it. So if I have hot coffee, I make hot foam. And if I have cold coffee, I make cold foam. And I take that bitch camping. I, w- <laughs> I was sleeping in a tent one night and I woke up and I made frothed creamer for my coffee. <laughs> Because I'm bougie and I have standards. <laughs> okay? It's so nice. because when We I... had an extension cord. There you go. It's so nice because now when I go over, um, even her children will be like, Aunt Momo needs a fancy coffee. And like, it's yeah, not done without the it. fancy coffee. Her husband will offer me the frothed coffee. Like, it's, it's so nice. Yeah. I feel so fancy. <laughs> We fresh grind the the beans every morning, and to keep from waking up the kids, I hold it against my body because <laughs> I wake up at five thirty. It's so super I, like, loud. Press it against me. It is super loud, but it does a good job. And my coffee pot can make iced coffee or hot coffee, single cup, half a cup. I need an espresso machine. <laughs> you do not need espresso. I know what you were like when you were on espresso. Drinking six espressos a day. It was nine. It was nine. (laughs) In one shift. Thanks, Panera. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that. (laughs) And look, I was a manager. I got it for free. Yeah. And I was tired. Drinking coffee. Because I was going to college full time and working full time. And then I got pregnant and had to detox immediately. Quit cold turkey. I literally was having cold sweats and the shakes and my vision was blurry. I was... (laughs) Going through withdrawals at work. Straight up withdrawals. So bad. (laughs) So (laughs) new. So don't get addicted to caffeine, much like those Coke drinkers. Goodness gracious. I know, I'm telling you, I got a caffeine problem. I have to cut myself off. I can't drink caffeine after noon now. If I drink it after like one in the like one in the afternoon, I get makes me really sleepy. And I get really grouchy. Makes you sleepy? Yeah, it does. In the morning, I... it wakes me up. And in the afternoon, it makes me sleepy. Oh. It's really weird. I don't understand. See, that's interesting. Bodies are weird. I just end up staying up and staring at the ceiling all night. 
And then I have to take a melatonin gummy. And then I get like weird caffeine, half melatonin dreams. <laughs> it's, mm. <laughs> well, I'm a delicate flower now. <laughs> welcome to just our regular conversations. Like we'll just talk about stuff like this for hours. We were, there's a reason when we're together, we don't go to sleep till 3 a.m. We don't. We're like, you're one of my best friends in the entire world. I love being with you, but I get so tired whenever I come visit because we just, we don't stop talking for like 72 hours. Yeah. And we laugh so much that our faces hurt. And it's like, Morgan, I love you. You're going to have to leave my house so I can stop smiling because I can't. It hurts. <laughs> we went the um last November we did like a Jeep camping trip and me and Emily were in the back seat of someone else's Jeep. <laughs> One of the guys in front turned around and said, Do you two ever shut up? <laughs> and through our cry tears of like laughing cry tears, we were like we never stop and we kept talking and like 10 minutes later he was like oh my god y'all have not taken a breath just leave us in the woods we'll talk on the way back yeah we'll, we'll figure it out it's, it's fine. fine just leave us a flashlight we'll be all right all right. anyway um you can find us on instagram at ill-equipped history we have the Facebook group, Ill- Ill-Equipped History Podcast Group, um, on Facebook. I can't remember if I said that right. My brain is starting to collapse. Um, email happens. us at illequippedhistory at gmail.com if you have any suggestions or advice or comments. Comments. Um, Puns. Anything. Yes, please. If you want to send us a pun or a meme or a story, uh, feel free to do that. Um, and if you have corrections, if you know yes research is hard and if we say anything that is just not right you can gently let us know and we will work to correct we we own our mistakes and we will definitely correct ourselves however we need to do that oh god i'm wrong so much dumb as shit so i'm wrong a lot (laughs) well i've been singing about rock and roller color wars so I was thinking of a roller coaster the whole time. Why is it called a roller coaster? <laughs> I don't know. Is that how they said it in the eighties? I don't know. I don't know slang very well. <laughs> I'm slang for a roller coaster. <laughs> that since I was a kid because I loved Billy Joel. <laughs> oh. I love it. Oh, man. Uh, Alright. Okay. Oh, We're gonna we'll, go. We'll leave y'all here. Alright. K-bye. Yeah. <laughs> K-bye. <laughs> <laughs>